Evolutionary.org podcast coming your way, episode 413 QA. Steve Smee here and Rickster. What's up, man? Hey, what's up, Steve? What's up, guys? How's everybody doing? Yeah, so guys, uh, we have another QA coming your way. Five fun topics. Um, you know, this podcast is all about giving you guys some information, helping you out. So this is gonna be a cool one. Uh, let's get right to it because we got a lot of lot of questions this time. The first one is 200 milligrams versus 500 milligrams versus 1000 milligrams testosterone cycle. So we can kind of investigate what would happen if you were to just run solo those amounts and what would happen. So I'm going to give my opinion on this. I guess, uh, Rick, you, you'll give your opinion on this. So 200 milligrams testosterone, our bodies in a normal situation are going to produce between 100, 125 milligrams a week. So if you were to do 200 milligrams a week of the testosterone, you would basically shut yourself down and you would be getting a little under double what your body should naturally produce. So to me, it's kind of a waste just doing 200 milligrams solo of testosterone. I would much rather you not use uh that amount if you're going to do it by itself and what would be better would be to use another steroid instead and you could basically stack in another steroid whether it be an oral or an injectable with that kind of dosage to make it worth your while but the thing the thing is about that dosage it's a little weird because you're running like i said you're running almost double what your body normally produce produces and in that and that's going to likely require you to run a little bit of an, an AI. So you're still going to get a little bit of estrogen side effects, a little bit of androgenic side effects with that kind of dosage. So to me, it's kind of pointless. Um, even if you're using it in a stack, I'd rather you, instead of using 200 milligrams, you could just drop it down to say hundred or 125 milligrams. This way you won't be getting those estrogenic side effects with whatever you stack it with. Now, 500 milligrams, that's a good sweet spot for doing testosterone solo because at that dosage, you're getting enough androgens in your system. You're getting a nice punch of anabolic steroids in your system. So you could do 500 milligrams by itself. And then stacking steroids with that dosage, you could stack something mild with it. Um, I wouldn't stack another aromatizing compound and I wouldn't stack something that's too androgenic with that kind of dosage. So, but that's definitely a dose, especially if you've never used steroids before, if you just use 500 milligrams of testosterone, that's going to be about four times what your body produces. So you'll get a nice, you'll get, you'll notice that it'll, it'll hit you hard, especially if it's your first cycle or even second cycle. Now a thousand milligram testosterone by itself yeah, um, the most I've ever run by um, of testosterone was 750 milligrams. And I didn't notice any benefits at that dosage. I just noticed more side effects versus just 500. So 1,000 milligrams, it's, it gets to the point where you're running so much that it's not even going to give you the benefits. It's just going to give you more side effects. So um, if you were to run that kind of dosage, you can expect to really open yourself up to a lot of estrogen-related side effects. 
you can open yourself up to a lot of DHT side effects. You can open yourself up to things, you know, with that are DHT related, like a prostate issue or head hair falling out, skin issues. You can open yourself up to gynecomastia. You can open yourself up to androgenic effects, especially if it's, um, you know, you haven't used many steroids before. Um, because what's going to happen is at that dosage, you're running enough where it's going to cause some aggressiveness. So, you know, that's, that's one of those things where I'm, I'd be curious to know why a person would want to run that much testosterone regardless. And we see pros may, the pros will run a thousand or more, but the thing is, even they will cut it down ahead of their competition because they don't want their, the estrogen issues. So I can imagine someone running a thousand milligrams by itself, having a lot of bloat issues. So I don't really see why you would want to blow it up like that. It really doesn't make any sense to me in the bodybuilding sense. Um, don't we want to have a six pack year round? Don't we want to look you know, lean year round? So if you're running that much, you're going to basically look soft. So it's not something I recommend. Even if you're running a lot of an AI to kind of combat an estrogen, it's still going to make you look soft. So I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even recommend that. So that's, that's one of those things. It's an absurd amount of, uh, of, of testosterone. And that would be something for high level professionals that would even mess with a dosage like that. Rick, give us your lowdown on these, uh, the, the whole debate, 200 versus 500 versus a thousand. What's your thoughts? I do agree. 200 is, is, uh, on the very low side. 300 is more like it, even 250. And that's, um, if it's maybe your first cycle and you've been training naturally for years. And so you push your body to genetic limits. You drop 250, 300 milligrams of testosterone a week. Um, and you, you'll make some good gains because uh, that testosterone will add to what your body makes. Yes, Steve is absolutely right. Over time, even that little amount will suppress you. So you just be replacing your own. But depending on your genetics, you might have a couple of good months in between uh, and, you know, making some good gains, but yeah, 200 might be just a little tiny. I, I know I've probably set 200 on the podcast before as a, as a, as a, an amount, but had to have been either first cycle, very first cycle or, or stack with SOMs or, or with other steroids, but 200 is on the low side. What can you expect? Uh, if it's not your first cycle, right. And, uh, chances are you're not going to see a lot from it. And yeah, it can, it can still suppress you. Maybe it might take a little bit longer than the higher amounts, but it'll do it. It'll suppress you. May not be worth it for most cases, unless again, very, very first cycle, young, healthy guy. 200 is good to go, man. Maybe you stack, maybe you get a script from your doctor and you are on TRT. You add a little bit extra to bring you up to 200 a week. And you got uh, some uh, human growth hormone on top of that might, might have something going there. But yeah, on its own, might, might tend to agree with Steve on, on this one today. Um, 500, like Steve said, it's a nice sweet spot, especially if you're running at standalone. You're going to see some good, good gains. Definitely, you'll get it around where you see some water retention, some issues with higher estrogen at the 500 level. How quickly will that come on? It depends on genetics, depends on your particular situation. You might go weeks and weeks before you start to notice a problem or you might notice something 
not quite right or maybe your nipples a little bit ishy after your second shot definitely um get these decent amount um thousand only time you're doing a thousand milligrams of testosterone in my opinion I mean, if you're already a huge guy like you were and at that point you're almost on trt almost already you're holding on to really supernatural amounts of muscle mass that your body will never be able to maintain with your natural testosterone levels. So you're already each cycle you're, you're basing at, you know, three, 400 migs a week, just to, just to stay up, you know, a couple hundred milligrams a week, just to keep yourself together. And these are the, the big, huge guys, a lot of com competitors, high level competitors, the, the, those guys, where you already have a ton of muscle on your frame to begin with, you do a good part of your dose, a good part of your use goes to just maintain that, that extra amount of, of muscle. Look, if you could, if your body could hold on to and build that kind of muscle naturally, then everybody would. Some guys longer than others, but everybody would build it. But the reason why the guys use steroids to get up to the really high levels of musculature and then... You have to continue to use above what your body can naturally produce just to stay up at that level. You, you can't just gain, you know, 100 pounds of muscle. I mean, something stupid, 60 pounds of muscle, right? And hold on to it with your natural testosterone levels. Those guys never really kind of come off. And then 1,000 milligrams might, might even make sense. But if you're a newbie, if you're not competing, if you're, nah, dude, 1,000, it's just too much. I wouldn't... Um, you could just do 500 testosterone and fill in the other 500 with anything else. A little bit of DACA, a little bit of EQ if you really want to get up to doing a gram a week. But side effects, aromatization, I mean, it gets to a point where the juice might not all be worth the squeeze um, for a regular guy just trying to look good with his shirt off. Uh, even a guy like that could do a gram a week uh, on a just trying to if you're trying to get get a lot of progress quickly for whatever reason but just mix it in with other juice man i don't i don't really see a regular guys like us just trying to look good with a shirt off don't see the reason to be doing a grandma test a week it's got to be super special circumstances you told you can get so you do it and you already have aromasin novadex working with it finasteride i mean Really, definitely a lot of variables. But, yeah, you're going to see a lot of more side effects a lot quicker on the on the 1,000 uh, milligrams a week. I mean, if you're doing 1,000 milligrams of an attake, um, you might you might see uh, issues before your second shot. You might start to notice water retention and other problems right away. And, and yeah, I mean, that's, uh, that's all I got to say about those dosings. What do you think? Yeah, so the next one we're going to talk about, guys, is what do you think about foregoing PCT and just staying on? So it kind of connects to that first question. And, you know, we saw this on the forum, and it kind of blew up into a big argument. And uh, I thought it was interesting because, you know, I've kind of gone full circle on this, on this question. And really, it's hard to debate something like this at this point because we know what's going to happen if you choose to forego PCT and just stay on, you know, and it's not a secret. What's going to happen is you're no longer going to be able to produce your own hormones on your own. So let's say you get on anabolic steroids 
and you run your cycle, say 12 weeks, and then you're about to start your PCT and you're like, damn, I just want to stay on. I'll just stay on another 12 weeks. And so now you're up to 24 weeks and then you're at 24 weeks and you're like, you know what? Let me cruise. Let me cruise on, on, a, on 150 or 200 milligrams of testosterone for 12 weeks or eight weeks. And then I'll do another cycle. And you, you do that. And, and then eventually you're like, you know what? I just want to come off everything and do a PC, do your PCT. And then you come off and then you run blood work and you're like, shit, my testosterone levels are like 80 or hundred, you know? So it's, I have the testosterone levels of a 80 year old man and, or a 60 year old female or a 50 year old female. And that's not good. That means your body your pituitary glands were unable to ever make a full recovery. And I've heard some guys say, oh yeah, I, I was able to recover. I do steroids for 10 years, 20 years. I was able to recover. I, I call bullshit. I call bullshit because what they'll do is they'll run a bunch of Clomid, they'll run a bunch of Novodex, they'll run a bunch of HCG or HMG. And then they'll run blood work while they're on those things. And then their blood work will come in. Oh, the testosterone levels will come in normal. And they're like, oh, I'm recovered. You're not recovered. So it's drugs that are manipulating your pituitary glands. And you got the ACG and HMG manipulating your Leydig cells where the blood work shows that you're recovered. But when you stop taking these hormones and these drugs and then you come off, everything crashes back down because your body cannot produce it on its own anymore. So that's going to be the risk of foregoing PCT. Do you want to be dependent on sticking your ass once a week for the rest of your life? Do you want it to be dependent on that? And that's a huge decision to make. The other thing is the health ramification. I've talked about this on previous podcasts and I get a lot of pushback on this. Even with you, Rick, I get a lot of pushback, but people don't want to accept that if you're on testosterone replacement therapy, hormone replacement therapy long-term, it's a risk because what happens is you end up using, producing, uh, you end up exogenously putting more hormones in your system than what your body naturally would produce. But then people push back like, oh, Steve, I have low testosterone levels. Not everybody is supposed to have high testosterone levels or even moderate testosterone levels. There's a reason you have low testosterone levels. It could be because you have a bad heart. It could be because you have some other underlying heart um, health condition. So sometimes it is necessary to have low testosterone levels just to keep you living a fulfilling and long life. So by running TRT or by cruising on steroids and exogenously putting more hormones in your system than you're supposed to have, you will cause more health problems in the long run. You'll cause, you'll open yourself up for a greater chance of cancer. You'll open yourself for a greater chance of prostate problems, heart problems, kidney problems, liver problems, you know, all these issues that can come up and, you know, that's, that's the risk you're going to have to realize the younger you decide to do this, the more damage you're going to do to your body long-term. My old podcast host, Trevor used to talk about early on in the podcast and he shied away from it because I think he was embarrassed, but he actually had to go on TRT 
I think 19 years old or 20 years old because he used steroids as a teenager and he was not able to ever recover. So he had to go on TRT for the rest of his life, just at 19 or 20 years old. That is crazy. So no, I cannot go on board with someone who's that young having to jab themselves for the rest of their life. You need to protect your own system. So what I recommend, I just had a, a client I talked to today about this. 12 weeks, guys, maximum amount of a cycle should be 12 weeks. And you need to take 24 weeks off total, which includes your PCT. And then that is how you recover your HPTA and keep it healthy long-term. If you're not willing to do that, like I said, I've been full circle on this. It's your decision. Just learn the facts and know the facts before you do it. If you learn the facts and you know what you're getting yourself into, then you have my blessing, go ahead and do it. But if you don't have all the facts or you're in denial, you're one of these people, you're these anti-science, anti-type of people who don't want to believe in the evidence and the science and the blood work and all this stuff, or you want to be ignorant about it and you just don't want to look at your blood work because you want to pretend it's not, doesn't exist, then no, I'm not going to bless you to go ahead and do that. So at the end of the day, you know, it's, it's your decision, it's your body, but you know, I just want, I, I think it's out of control what we're seeing right now with guys who are blasting and cruising or guys hopping on TRT who don't actually have a legit medical reason for it besides they just want to be lazy and not suffer a little bit and not do a proper PCT. And if you do a proper PCT, it's not going to be as bad as people make it out to be. But if you do a half-assed PCT, it's going to suck. So you want to make sure you do a good quality PCT. You need to run your ancillaries. You need to run your strong testosterone boosters, Rick's product, and to generate and to generate ES. Great product. It's a mandatory run in PCT because it makes you feel good in PCT. And it offsets the side effects of running the Clomid and running the Nobodex. So you got to do it properly, guys. So please just get all the facts on this shit. That's all I ask. Get all the facts. Don't listen to the stupid meatheads who are going to tell you just to stay on. Don't worry about what other people do. It's not your concern. You worry about yourself. Rick, what's your thoughts on this? I mean, who, who, who would want to do that? Who would want to ruin their own endocrine system for good on purpose. Granted, we all take a chance at fucking things up in our endocrine system and the way things are already working nicely every time we use steroids. Granted, we, we know that. But to just not even give yourself a chance to come back each time, but to just stay on. I mean, look, if you're winning medals and you're going to be able to make some some a living out of this i guess why not i'm sure many guys listen and already made that decision and uh, they're going to shows and they got some instagram grind and some uh train some people they train or followers or whatever and i guess if you're making a lifestyle out of it it, it goes with the lifestyle right it goes with those choices you're just regular guy man Go to the office every day you don't have dreams of being the next instagram or the next uh IFBB go to the next YouTube. I mean, you don't have any of that in mind. It's not part of your goals. You just want to be big Bob at the office. 
You know what I mean? It's not worth it, man. Not worth it. You should, you should build your physique on consistency and discipline. Consistent discipline. Drop in a couple of cycles per year, man. A couple of eight weekers, maybe a ten weeker and a and a twelve weeker. If you're that, if you're that much into it, and give yourself time in between. Let your body freshen out. You're not. It's like Steve said. You're not meant to just have all these high levels of androgens year round. It's it can make some cells, some cancerous cells, grow that maybe otherwise wouldn't have these high levels of androgens in your system all the time. So I guess that's, that's all I had to say. I mean, look, if you work with a coach, you're winning shit, you're getting on stage, making a life out of this, and you need to hold on to supernatural amounts of muscle in order to get there. I get it. I get it. Fine. I get it. But don't put yourself on TRT. Don't put yourself on year-round steroid use just to, just to be Big Bob at the office. Especially you're never going to have like abs and be really ripped because you, you're not competing. You probably don't have that consistency. I don't know, man. It's just my opinion on it. Uh, you should, it's fine to fast forward your progress. Um, use steroids as a means to do that. But don't, don't put yourself on lifelong TRT and have to, for life, take synthetic hormones. You're, you're going to regret it. You're going to regret it big time. Over the long term, you'll live a much healthier and, pro and progressive life if you cycle maximum 12 weeks, 10, or 10 to 12 weeks max, and then come off double that. So if you do 10 weeks, come off for 20 weeks. If you do 12, week, 12 weeks, come off 20. Over the long term, the tortoise will beat the hare eventually. So – Trust me on this. And a lot of guys, a lot of you listening to this say, oh, Steve, you don't know what you're talking about. Trust me, in another 10, 20 years, you'll look back and you'll be like, damn, Steve was right on this. Because it's one of those things where you don't have a sane perspective on things when you're younger, but you will when you're older. I know guys um, who they're in their 40s now or late 30s and they can't have kids because they chose to blast and cruise and they fucked up their HPTA. Now they don't have any fertility. They can't have kids and they are very, very upset about it. And so are their spouses. So it's not something you may think about when you're 20 or 25, but it will be down the line because if you can't have a kid, then guess what? Your wife is going to go fuck the, the, the gardener to get knocked up instead. Or when you're on vacation, she'll be fucking the, the, uh, the pool boy at the resort to get knocked up. So just think about that guys There's more to life than just, you know, being impatient and trying to become the next uh, Marcus rule. All right. So next one is I'm going to Rick early on this one. Uh, your thoughts on nineties building bodybuilding versus today bodybuilding. So what, what do you think has changed? There was another thread on the forum that um, guys got into it. You have the boomers on the forum who are like, 90s bodybuilding is the best. Guys back then were so much better. Guys today are stupid. It's always the older generation bitching about the younger generation, no matter what. And I'm sure, Rick, when we get older, we'll be bitching about the younger generation too. And then the younger generation will get older and they'll bitch about the younger generation. And the cycle will repeat itself. So I get it. But um, I'm, I'm curious your thoughts on this because you've gone full circle with this as well. Well, 
in the nineties is when every is there was a big transitional period in my opinion, because before the nineties, uh, guys weren't allowed to have these big, huge bellies that they have now. And during the nineties, uh, through judging, through judging scoring, big bellies became allowed, and now you get the monsters you see today. So. In the 90s, you still had some guys that had great symmetry, and then you had some guys coming in that had these huge, huge bellies, like turtle shells. And 90s versus now. Look, I, how about 80s versus now? 70s versus now? I think those physiques were, were nicer looking, more symmetrical. Guys should have never gotten that big. It should have always been... Should have always been, in my opinion, a competition. It's just how big can you get, how small can you get your waist, and how big you can get the rest of your body. And that would have maybe not encouraged guys to use some of the more dangerous drugs, some of the insulins and some of the growth hormones. Like we could have, we could have had like a really, really nice bodybuilding culture where symmetry was i mean still really that important but now i mean 90s is when everything changed you had some guys in the 90s you still had some guys that looked like the old school bodybuilders and you had some of the newer guys looking like guys would, would look like today and transitional period and it didn't go in a way that i like but i'm sure other people do i'm sure other people really like seeing these guys that look just just look ridiculously huge out of just out of proportion i mean some guys most people it seems like enjoy that at least the ifbb judges do because bodybuilding show judges have that that's what it is now huge oblique huge turtle shell abs um just just suck it in enough or just to throw a pose or two and then the rest of the time it doesn't it doesn't matter um, I don't know. I think less less dangerous drug use, more focus on on symmetry and proper working out regimens, techniques, diet pre nineties than than after the nineties. What do you think, Steve? So here's the thing: back in the nineties, it was interesting, Rick. I don't think people had the opportunity back then to become bodybuilders or get into weight training because you didn't even have gyms in a lot of the country. I mean, if you're in New York or you're in LA, obviously you had fantastic gyms probably since the seventies. You know I mean? I know gold's gym was founded what in the sixties in, in, in LA. So, but I mean, let's be real. Like if you live in Kansas or Oklahoma or Missouri or Tennessee or something, you didn't have gyms until, you know, the 2000s or 2010s, you had these. Now you have franchise gyms on every corner across the country. So if you're a guy, I just um, just wrote an article about Marcus Rule. He didn't even know anything about bodybuilding. He was a soccer player, or what you call it, Rick, football. He didn't know anything about bodybuilding. He didn't know anything about weight training. It took him getting injured in soccer and having to do physical therapy on his knee to start learning about bodybuilding. So how many other people in the nineties had that, did that happen to? They just didn't know because in their town, they played different sports, but they didn't have, 
weight training gyms. They didn't have weights in their school. They didn't have weights. They didn't have gyms. So I just find it interesting that today there's a gym on every corner. So anybody now can get into weight training, but back then you couldn't. So I think that, yes, we've advanced tremendously just based on that, just based on the access of having a gym. And I've lived in some towns where I've had to drive like 45 minutes to get to a decent gym. So even to this day, you still have a little bit of an issue with that. But look, at that bottom line, even a Planet Fitness, you can go get in a workout at a, at a crappy Planet Fitness if you really want to. Or you can do a home gym. So homes are way bigger today than they were back in the 90s. I mean, when they were building homes in the 70s and 80s, they were much smaller. Now everyone wants a huge ass house. So now you can have a home gym. You can dedicate your garage. You can make your garage into a home gym. So there's way more opportunities today to get into bodybuilding. So we've progressed a tremendously when it comes to bodybuilding. More people, more opportunities. People are finding out that they have the gift because if you don't try it, how are you going to know if you're good at it? So I'm sure there's tons of things I, I've never tried before that I would be really, really good at that I can make monetize and make money at, you know, but I've never tried it because where I grew up or I didn't have the opportunity to, to try it. And you, you're the same way, Rick. So um, you could have been the best momoncillo um, farmer in the world if you had grown up, you know, in, in, a, in a farming town. You see what I'm saying? You'd be a multimillionaire right now, uh, exporting mama seals across the country. We don't know that because you didn't grow up that way. So, I mean, I think with bodybuilding, the opportunities now are, are sky's the limit now. You can go get a gym membership for $10 a month. $10 a month, you can go get a gym membership. It's nothing. Back in the 90s, I didn't even have a gym in my town. I couldn't go work out. My first gym was like a, at a basketball uh little basketball court place and they had like this little crappy gym in there and that was my first time working out that was my first gym i ever worked out at because we I, mean, I didn't have the opportunity it wasn't until i started working out in my school gym and then after you know during college i had a really good university gym and then after college i had a meathead gym that i signed up for um it was was called world's gym and uh, I believe now they're out of business. <laughs> so, but they've been replaced by different types of gyms. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's if you don't have the opportunity to do it, then you're not going to be able to be successful. So, I, I just find that fascinating uh, the way we progress. I think there's a lot more opportunities now uh, for bodybuilders, and I think 20 years from now is going to be a lot more opportunities. Everyone and their mom wants to open up a gym. Everybody, and you have so many options now. You have CrossFit gyms. You have franchise gyms, you have meathead gyms, there's so many different opportunities. All right. So the next one, Rick, is water in our homes poisoning us. So this is a this is one that I kind of been uh, obsessed with for, for a long time, which is water. And we all know that water we drink, if you listen to this podcast, I talk about water we drink, how important it is, and all the crap that's in our water. So the problem is, it's not just the water we're drinking, it's the water we're showering, showering with. And if you, you'll notice when it comes to, 
you know, when you're taking a shower, sometimes you may, after a shower, feel you can smell that chlorine. It gets on your skin. It may um, cause you to, to, you know, have some sinus issues. It may cause you to kind of, you shower before bed and you go to bed, you got that chlorine all over your skin. You got that crap all over your skin. You're, you're brushing your teeth with this crappy ass water. And these chemicals are really, really bad for us, buddy. Um, really should not be consuming these. And you can go online. There's some websites where you can actually put in your, um, your zip code. And it'll actually tell you how bad your water is. And there's cancer causing chemicals that are in our water. And it's really, really fucking scary. Like Rick, what, what's, um, what's, what was your zip code in, um, in uh, Vegas? Eight, nine, what was it? Eight, nine. All right. So I'm looking at here. Okay. So uh, Las Vegas Valley water district, which serves 1.3 million people, the contaminant count is 117 and the violation count is six. That's uh, that means that basically there's 117 different types of uh, contaminants in that water. So you guys can go to, you know, my, my tapwater.org and put in any zip code you want. And that will tell you, and there's some government websites as well that will tell you actually the exact chemicals. And if you look them up, these are cancer causing chemicals that are in our water. These are, these are really, really bad stuff, guys. And it's not good. It's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to hurt your hair. It's going to hurt your skin. So what I recommend, there's two, two options for you. If you have your own house, you should look into getting um, a filtration system, which is you could stick like in your garage or outside your house, and it will filter out the water that, com that comes into your house. Now, those filtration systems, they cost some money. Um, the cheapest I've seen like $700, $800. They can run up to like three, four, five thousand dollars $5,000. So what I recommend on that, guys, is you go do the review, get the reviews done. Don't hire a company that sells this, the actual uh, product because they're going to rip you off. You'll end up paying two, three times what you should. The best thing to do is buy your own filtration system and then hire an independent plumber that's not associated with the company to come put it in. And they won't charge you very much to install it. And then you can buy the, the product directly from the company. And, and then you'll have to do what you have to do, you know, when it comes to changing a filter, adding salt or whatever to, and that will, that will help with your water. Um, it'll eliminate the chlorine out of your water, the fluoride, a lot of these contaminants that are coming into your home and you'd be able to brush your teeth, take a shower, whatever, even drink the water right out of your uh, faucet based on that. Now, the other option is if you're, if you're renting, you like to move around a lot, you don't want the headache or you can't afford that, that much money. You actually go online to Amazon um, and you can buy a filter to actually hook up to your showers. And the filter, basically, the water will run through the filter and filter out all these chemicals. Does it do a fantastic job of doing it? Not as well as if you spend the money on that filtration system, but it still will eliminate a lot of the chemicals. And you'll notice it right off the bat. The smell, the water, you'll notice, oh, my God, this water, it's like I'm, I'm showering in a spring, you know, a fresh spring with fresh water. You'll notice the difference. And the way you can test out these products 
is you can buy like a pool kit and you can basically test the chlorine and see is the water still, um, is there water, is there chlorine still coming out of the shower after you put this filter in? And look, if it's not working out, send it back. You know, I can't give you guys, this is an evergreen podcast. I can't give you a brand to use. I've, ex I can tell you that I've experimented with many and a lot of them don't work very well. So my only advice is test them out when you get them, make sure there's a 30 day window where you can return it. And if it doesn't work uh, very well for you, go ahead and return it. So they're not expensive guys. I mean, we're talking 30 bucks, 40 bucks, and they last two or three months or four months even, or six months even. And then you just have to replace the filter every few months to your shower. So I have those put in, um, in my showers and it, it makes a huge difference. I, I use, I brush my teeth with that water. I shower with that water and it's, I can breathe better when I, uh, when I'm using filter, when I'm showering in filtered water, I can actually breathe after a shower. And with the chlorine, I affects my breathing. I go to sleep and I'm sniffing a little bit. I'm, my, my nose is running because we're, a lot of us were allergic to these chemicals that's in the water guys. So if you can filter out that water, it's going to be so much better. Your skin will be hundred percent better. Your hair will be hundred percent better. Your sinuses will be better. It's just a healthier thing to do guys. So the water literally that you're showering with at home guys is killing you, is killing you. So please, you know, do, do what you need to do to help that. Um, I'll put in my, I'll put on my zip code on, on this uh, government website, which is EW. It's on a government website. I apologize. <clears throat> it's uh, ewg.org. And it actually will tell you uh, the chemicals that you're actually being exposed to. And so with me, I get 2.2 times the amount of chlorate and that is harmful to the thyroid and your thyroid affects your metabolism. So I'm harming my thyroid when I'm showering in, in the regular water. Chromium, which causes cancer 5.3 times. Haloacetic acids. 211 times, which causes cancer, 211 times the amount that is the EWG health guideline. TTHMs, which also cause cancer, 269 times, 269 times, guys. I'm supposed to be getting 0.15 PPB, PP, uh, uh, PPB. I'm getting 40.4 PPB. That's insane. The legal limit is actually 80 PPB. So I'm almost at the legal limit of what I'm supposed to get. So anything above the legal minute, they literally, the government would come in and shut down the utility. It's horrible. It's horrible. Rick, where, where do you live now? What's your zip code now? Or what's a zip code near you if you don't want to share? 11. <clears throat> okay, so you are, oh, you're, your, your water's, uh, your water's pretty good, buddy. Um, you're, you're the only thing you're getting, the only chemical you're getting is, uh, you're getting radium in your water and that causes cancer. You're getting 8.1 times the amount of radium, but all the other shit that I'm getting, you're not getting in your water. So your water is not bad. So I, but, yeah, but I still, and, I still and, and, and why, and why system is, is pretty good. Some people just drink the yeah. tap water. I, I filter all my water. I don't, I don't drink tap water. I don't get too crazy about filtering water that I bathe in, but, um, definitely, uh, uh, I only brush my teeth with filter water and I only uh, uh, drink or cook filtered water. I mean, a hundred percent of the time. Yeah. 
Okay. What was your zip code in Vegas again? Eight nine zero zero four. So I'm curious of Vegas. What what kind of things? Oh, Vegas is very bad, brother. Vegas is very bad. So you, in Vegas, you got arsenic four hundred times because it's a desert out there. Yeah, four hundred times amount of arsenic. You got bromodichloromethane, which causes cancer, 302 times. Bromoform, 4.8 times. Chloroform, which causes cancer. Chromium, which is what I have as well, which causes cancer. And then you have dibro, uh, dibromoacetic acid, 72 times the effects. And then you have, you got a bunch of shit. You got nitrates. Um, you have uh, dichloric uh, acetic acid. You got a lot of a lot of bad shit, bro, in uh, in Vegas water. Uranium in your water, brother, six point one times. So yeah, I you never. Uh, I, I tell you what, never ever drink, never ever drink a, a tap water that hasn't been filtered. It's it's a rule for me because um, I know, man, I know everything that's in all this stuff. But I mean, uh, water, you know, definitely, guys, don't drink your tap water. But if you want to take it a step further, I highly recommend to uh, getting filters for your showers and, and make sure you're bathing in because you're bathing in cancer causing chemicals. Um, and you can again, you can go to EW, uh, EWG.org, guys, and, and check out your water. I'm shocked at how bad Vegas is. I thought Florida was bad, but Vegas is worse, I guess, because it's a desert out there. You guys don't have much water. So I guess it's better than, than nothing. Right. Um, getting it's got to be. Yeah, it's, it comes it comes in from from other places. Yeah. So it's bad, guys. But people in Europe laugh at how bad our, our water is in the United States because uh, in, in Europe, they take this, this shit seriously. You know what I'm saying? But in the United States, uh, you know, we don't take this shit seriously, guys. And uh, there's a reason that Americans uh, <laughs> are in bad shape. It's, 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 a, it's a lot of food, but it's also all these chemicals that we're um, ingesting and that are absorbing through our skin. So, uh, yeah, definitely take this seriously, guys. So last one, I kind of, I, I think this one would be a good one for you, Rick, um, because of, of your culture and your situation. But um, this person wants to know, what do you think about accepting a large amount of money from a relative you don't talk to often? So if a relative that you don't really talk to, let's say you talk to a relative maybe a couple times a year and then one day they, uh, they call you up and they're like, hey, I, I want to throw you some, some cash. Uh, I just you know, I just came into some money and I want to help you out and I want to throw you some cash. Would you, you know, what are you in that situation? Is it rude not to accept it or, or do you think that it's, you know, it's acceptable? It, 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 uh, I mean, it depends on a few things. Uh, me personally, if you're asking me, so this is not like dirty money or strings attached money, something weird. And uh, so this is not anything weird like that. I'm cool. There's a lot of good reasons a relative might want to give you money. Maybe they think you put it to good use. Maybe they trust you with it to go do something uh, great in their name. Who who know, right? Um, but I mean, nothing is ever truly really free, especially from uh, some somebody you don't talk to as a relative, but you don't talk to them that much. You don't. You never know. They could have committed a big crime, embezzlement, drugs, fraud, and I mean, it depends on the situation. As long as it's not dirty money, and if there are strings attached, depending on what kind of strings are attached, that'll make the. Well, make what, the what, give me an example of a string attached. Like, what, what would be an example of that? Are you, you're saying they're uh, going to look to do something you, from you? You, 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 you? Yeah, you take this money, but 
you've got to dedicate X amount of time or X amount of energy resources to accomplishing this goal. Or, you know, there could be things, you know, somebody could give you money. Do you think these things you have to do? I mean, it could be something as benign as starting a foundation and, and helping, uh, you know, some helping some some sector of society so or it could be something yeah. or it could be something real personal like hey i'm i'm i might be dying soon take all this money and watch over my my grandmother you know what i'm saying or or my sister who's kind of stupid you know or my brother who's a fucking moron what you what you what manage him you know there could be strings attached you don't you don't you don't quite know so depending on the strings and depending on where the money came from It'll make a difference. But if if uh, I know with somebody who's like a businessman or investments and, and they're not asking for anything in return, they just want to give me free money, um, I'd, I'd have a hard time finding a reason not to take it. Would it be proper to turn it, to turn it down or would that be an insult? Oh, no. Anybody can do whatever they want. And is it an insult? It depends on the person, the family. You know, uh, the person might say, hey, you're within your right to turn money down or turn down a gift that you don't, you don't have to take it. You don't have to take something free if you don't want to. You don't, you don't have to do fucking do anything if you don't want to. So I don't see, I mean, it depends on the family. Maybe depends on your culture. Remember, I'm, I was born out of the country, outside of the U.S., so I, I hold a different culture. Maybe in some, in some uh, um, ways, in some families, it would be an insult and other parts of the country, but other parts of the culture, it wouldn't be. It really, that depends, man. That That's funny, but that, that'll that depend a lot on what nationality and, and what kind of family structure uh, they come from. But it, at least in my family, no, nobody would care. If I turn money down um, that some relative wanted to give to me, nobody would care. Nobody would. It, in my family, I'd be within my right to, to, do, to do that. So it depends. Depends. What about, let me take a step further. What happens if a relative called you up and be like, Rick, I need to borrow like 50 grand. What, what would you do in that situation? Like, let's say, uh, you know, a cousin or, or a nephew or something called you up. Do I like them or do I think they're, or do I really like them or do I think they're, they're assholes? Well, that's the question. Right. But I mean, that's a lot of money. Like, oh, well, somebody's you, asking me to borrow it. You, you tell me if somebody's asking me to borrow it. Yeah, if someone calls you up and they're like, okay, so he, here's I get the, I get this. All. It's funny. I was thinking about this on the way here. Um, I do kind of get that a lot. Never fifty G's, but I need to borrow three thousand. I need to borrow five thousand. I need to borrow a thousand. Um, depending on the person, depending on how much I believe in them, I don't. I don't lend money out. Um, it's not my thing unless you're like my mother, my sister, you know, something like that. But I don't even a cousin or best friend. I, I don't lend money out. But somebody's going through the gym and they ask me for five thousand dollar loan or three thousand dollar loan. I might say, "Hey man, I um I can't do that right now. I can't do that right now. But I'll uh I'll sell you or Benmo, you know, three hundred bucks and just keep them. Do whatever you want with them. They don't have to pay me back. Or somebody asks me for you know ten thousand dollars and somebody I, I really I really care about or whatever and they want to borrow 10 g's i might say hey man i i don't i can't it's not kind of what i do but if you're going through a rough time uh, you know i'll let you have 500 bucks i'll let you have it since you're having a hard time just take 500 you can have it find somebody else to let you borrow 10,000 
I might, I've, I've done that in not in those amounts, but you know, uh, I've done it. I've done things like that for, and this is for close family friends that I care about. As far as friends, acquaintance, um, chances are that if you get yourself in the kind of bullshit ass jams that you're asking me to borrow, uh, uh, a bunch of money, you probably, you and I probably aren't, aren't, aren't friends or won't be friends long. I don't ask my friends to borrow money. Why do they ask you I'm, for money though? Cause you're not a flashy guy. Oh, uh, well, these are, um, these are like close family relatives, uh, um, relatives in South America, people. But why would they ask you for money, way. though? Why would they specifically ask you for money? Because you don't, you're not, like I said, you're not a flashy guy. If so people, how do they even people, know you have money? Well, people that are kind of close to me know that I, I do okay. I'm not a flashy guy, but like, they realize like, hey, he owns his own his own business, um, you know, he, they kind of, they, they know. You Should know, you keep know, that like on the down low though? Like, is like, you know what I'm saying? Like I see these people on social media, they post a picture of their car and all this stuff and they brag, they're braggarts, you know? Like to me, like it's better just to like, yeah, you know, have you know, you know what it poor. is. Have everyone think you're poor and they won't ever hit you up for yeah, money, right? I know, I know, I know what you're saying, but a couple of things. One, I live in Long Island. So you already kind of in where I live in the town that, that I'm at, you, you kind of already got a, a medium household income in my town is around $112,000. So the fact that you just live there, people already know that you got to, you got to do okay to, to, to be there. And then like, you know, if you go to a restaurant or like, it's real easy, even if somebody's not flashy, it's real easy to know if somebody's got issues with with funds or not and also uh um you know everybody that's a, that's an acquaintance or knows they're always running to and fro running to and fro this job changing jobs every so often and i'm i'm i mean i haven't been to a job interview since i was you know early 20s and and i, I don't switch jobs around i'm 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 kind of doing my own things so people kind of know you know it's, it's hard to explain but like when you're close to someone around someone for years it's almost inevitable, inevitable to count their money in your head a little bit, like figure out well, what the fuck, how the fuck is this guy doing it? You know, especially if your cousins, if your family, and you might not know the details on everybody, but you have a pretty decent idea of those people around you. Shit, maybe even your neighbors. You 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 kind of two things most people are usually curious about other people. Uh, funny enough, uh, secretly curious is their bank accounts and their sex lives. It's something that. Uh, humans are kind of intrigued by each other. Um, it's one of the things people worry about the more more with famous people is how much money they make and who they're fucking. So it's it just so happens. So if if, I, if there's someone in the family, you know, cousin, relative, um, somebody that I'm I'm close to, um, they might say, "Oh, I've got this big jam. I'm in," and and I know Rick might Rick might might have it. Um, so and you know, and again, it's, nobody's ever come to me asking me for fifty fucking thousand, but I've had people seriously looked me in the face and asked me to borrow 10,000, 10 G's, a couple of people, uh, um, a cousin, cousin, cousin of mine's, uh, she, she's, she's pretty well off herself. And she just like, looked me straight in the eyes, said she want to borrow 10 G's. And I know she's well off. And I know she, 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 she I would have to go find it somewhere to give it to her. And I know she, she could have found that on her own. So I was just like, no, nah, I can't do that right now. I'm really, I'm really invested right now. I, I don't, I don't have the, I don't have the ability to do that. I, I I would have to liquidate something or, or get it from somewhere, same as you could. So I, I really couldn't, you know, I things, you know, I just excuses like that, but yeah, nobody's just ever asked me for 50 G's. I'm not, I'm not the 50 G guy. I've had a, like I said, throughout the years, a couple of people asked to borrow 10 K, a couple of people asked to borrow five, 
few people asked to borrow a thousand. Um, but I never, I, I don't, I, a thousand bucks. I've let maybe close family, really close family, mom, sister, dad, kind of like that. Let them, let them borrow it, hold it. At one point I might've forgiven debts along those lines with very close nuclear family, like parents, things like that, mom, sister, but. What's but something no, that you, friends. what's something that you collect? Like, do you have like a stamp collection or a coin collection or something like that? Or jewelry or something like that? Memories of romance with gorgeous women. It's the only <laughs> thing I collect. All right. Let's say hypothetically you had like a nice watch and your nephew okay. He's like, he's like, you know, he's like fucking 13, 14 years old. He's like, you're hanging out together. And he goes to me, he's like, uncle, uncle Ricardo, can I, um, mm-hmm. can I have your watch? What, what would you say? Um, so I do have a, a, a few, a few little watches and I don't go, he's another thing. People that are close to me know, I don't, I have a few nice things that I, that I hold on for a long time. So if there's, if there's a watch on my table, you fucking damn skimpy. There's a long story of how I got that watch, what I was doing that day, why I decided to buy it, why I decided to allocate those funds that I watched on that particular day is a story behind it. And um, I've been that situation before younger cousins and stuff. They're like, Oh, I love this watch. This is great. Can I, can I borrow it to wear it on a date? And this particular uh, little cousin of mine's, who's a good dude, he, he's he's helped me with with social stuff before, Instagram graphic designer. He, um, I says to him, I says, you know what? I said, like, I have a real emotional attachment to, to the day I bought that watch, and and I, I want to hold on to it and make sure I take good care of it forever. But I want you to look good for your date. So here is the second watch I ever bought when I was a young man. I bought it at this and this place and you, you can have it. I want to pass it on to you. You enjoy it. Now you have a, you take care of it. And is a, is a younger man's watch than the one you're looking to borrow and you can have this one. And you know, it was, I don't know. It was like a little $150 watch, $200 watch. I bought when I was a, a kid, it was a, I think it was like one of the little, little, little quartz bullshit watches. It was like a Kenneth Cole or something like this. It's, it's one of those little, like little, little designer watches that they, that Fossil probably makes for them. And they just put the Kenneth Cole stamp on it or whatever. So I, you know, he was trying to borrow a, a, an automatic uh, watch that I have that's, you know, a few hundred bucks. And I just, instead, I let him have a, a nice looking watch, well kept, that's, you know, decade old but still really nice and just let him have it uh, because I, I do have like nice things i have a few little nice things that i hold on for a long time and and i don't just go on shopping sprees if i see something i specifically want i'll get it and then i'll hold on to it for a long time and take good care of it and, and it's like that with everything so people kind of know not to not to ask for for my shit like people know that if they if they they can't ask for something i, I have that's mine um because i I'm very picky with what I with with the the baggage that I carry around in my life, with the luggage I carry around, and and every item is special. Everything from a fucking t-shirt to um to a pair of sneakers, like it's something I picked for a specific reason, and it was a special day that I went and got it. I think you really have to learn to say no in life, and you have to learn to, you know, just live a modest lifestyle, like, and not you know, not brag and, and not show off your money and stuff. So if, as long as you do that, you make people think you're poor, they won't, they won't bother you. You know what I'm saying? And uh, I had a buddy of mine, he, um, 
his frat boy, his frat brother from college. Yeah, I was never in a frat in college. And um, I'm not saying it's a stupid idea to be in a frat, but I, I personally have no desire to do that because stuff, shit like this happens. And one of his frat buddies hits him up one day. He's like, oh, can I borrow 50 grand? He's like, I want to borrow 50 grand. I want to invest in real estate. He's doing some in a real estate, one of those real estate scams. You know, those infomercials where they try to trick you into into buying like a program. No money down. No money down. And uh, so the guy, he, he fucking lets him borrow 50 grand. I'm like, dude, are you fucking nuts? And his mom's like struggling and shit. You know, his mom's struggling, working like minimum wage jobs and shit. And he's like handing his frat boy 50,000. So I told him like, dude, are you fucking nuts? You're never going to see that money again. So the guy ended up like, you know, spending all his money on the real estate scam and ended up not making money, never paying him back. And I'm like, dude, this fuck is stupid. You got to learn how to say no. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like these people, they're not your friends. Like just because you think they're their friend, your friends doesn't make them, they're just leeches, you know? So, so if he asks you for 50 grand, ask someone else for 10 grand, someone else for five grand, you know, what's, and they like, Oh, but he signed the paper that he would pay me back. That don't, that don't mean shit. Like, how are you going to take someone to court who hasn't paid you back money when they don't have any money to pay you? It's, it's, it's ridiculous. So you just got to learn in life that guys, you got to say, no, you got to have people that are close in your life that you can trust that aren't going to leech off of you. And, and that's it. And, 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 and you, you make and the decision be- on who you want to give money to. If you have a relative that's struggling, you help them out, help them out. But I mean, at the end of the day, don't, just let them take advantage of you and and take you because that's that's that's, that's silly. Yeah, but, but letting somebody borrow a bunch of money, there's a there's already issues attached to it. You know, if like okay, funny enough, if if someone I know, two personally, family that I know, they're not business folks, they're not anything, um, ask me to borrow ten grand, I might. Most chances are I'll, I'll slide off with letting them have $200, you know, and be done. Uh, but on the flip side, if a large company um, that I might be doing, that I might, that I know established and doing business with, wants uh, a $30,000, $40,000 li- line of credit, you know, net 90 or something like that for, for products or something along those lines, I might be more likely to say yes to that. And the reason is, is because you see a real structure to get your fucking money back. You know, one of the worst things you can do is, is if you have a cousin or, or a friend or someone you enjoy and you know, they're, they're kind of fuck ups and you don't see a clear chance where you can get your money back soon. Don't let them borrow it. Cause you'll lose both the money and the friendship. You lose both the money and the friendship. But if you just let them have a couple hundred, you keep the friendship and you don't lose the money. And and unless, you know, unless you're really good friends with someone that's business oriented, that, that is doing well, or maybe just had a hiccup because of lockdowns, because of they were sick, they had a hiccup. It happens to people. And then they, they're looking for, for some money on a come up, you know, to come back, to get back into business, to get back into the swing of things. And there's someone you've known to be a, a good person. It might be your time to invest in them. It might be your, your one chance to invest in this person that that maybe they were doing way better than you at some point. And through something that happened, maybe no fault of their own, they, 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 they fell to one knee and you're going to help them get, get up. That might be a good, you know, money, resources, credit, 
those might be good things to, to do because you can get your, you know, you find a way to get the money back. But yeah, never let anyone you care about borrow a large enough amount of money that they can't pay back. And if you're balling like that, where you, where you could say to yourself, hey, maybe they won't pay back and I won't care. Just let them have the fucking money. Just let them have it. And then you don't have to stress with them paying you back. But if you let, it, let them borrow the money, you know they might not be able to pay back. But you don't care if they don't pay back. But you still let it get out of your hands as a loan, even though you know they might not be able to pay back. And you'd be willing to forgive it anyway for a payback. Chances are that that person you lent the money to is going to hurt your feeling, hurt your image of them, is going to hurt you somehow on the way of them saying, hey, that money you gave me, I just don't have any way to pay it back. And even you, were, even though you were kind of ready to forgive the loan anyway at the start, you will still be hurt by something that they do or something that comes across. The relationship will be hurt from the point where they, they, they admit or you see that they can't pay and you saying, okay, let's just forgive the debt. There's going to be some some scar tissue there. So you might as well just forgive the debt when you give the money, if that's what it's going to be. Um, little different story if it's your kids, if it's your son, you're trying to maybe teach them a lesson, you're trying to educate them on things. You might want to put that, put, put some, put some uh, strings attached to that money and some milestones, some things you want, because it's your child, you're trying to educate, right? <laughs> but if it's a cousin, an uncle, an aunt, far off relative, you ain't educated nothing. You know, you're not teaching anybody anything. So don't, you might as well just let them, let them have it, let them walk away having an amount that they can have and, and be done. All right, buddy. Yep. You're muted. So I guess that does it guys. This was another episode, episode 413 guys, Q and a in the show notes, you guys can get a hold of us. We give you information on how to get a hold of us. So check that out. We'll talk to you guys next week. Take care. Alright, Steve. So, a good one, Steve. A good one, guys. Guys, this is the required legal disclaimer. We are only sharing our experience from years of steroid use. We are not doctors, and none of what we say should be regarded as medical advice. Always check with your doctor before taking any drugs or starting any training program.